After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. Welcome to Greater Good Radio Hawaii, where leaders inspire leaders. Greater Good Radio Hawaii is dedicated to social entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Evan Leong, and with me is my co-host, Carrie Leong. Mahalo, Evan. Today's guest is U.S. Congressman Neil Abercrombie. Please welcome to Greater Good Radio, U.S. Congressman Neil Abercrombie. Welcome to our show, Congressman. Thank you. Mahalo. So in your own words, what does a congressman do? It's an interesting... uh invitation that you folks sent uh, to come on the show, Evan and Carrie, because when you provided me with the memo about the interview, you put down the main objectives. And if you don't mind, I kind of recite them for the audience. Sure. Maybe some folks are tuned in for the first time, or maybe some folks have tuned in for a while, but maybe don't remember some of these things. The reason for me being in Congress, when I thought about it, had a lot to do with what your objectives are. And what you said was to promote a social vision where community support and business go hand in hand, to inspire others that might want to start a business, to educate those already in business, to highlight successful Hawaii entrepreneurs to the world, and to entertain the listeners with interesting experiences and advice, starting from the back and uh, the last and working backwards. Um, Politics in many instances is entertainment in in, in that regard. And what I mean by that is, is that one of the first things I learned when I got into the political side, electoral side of politics, the reason I got in the first place, the things I cared about always ended up at the political door. Uh, civil rights, justice for everybody, non-discrimination, those kinds of things that motivated me as a young person because I'd grown up, for example, as a Protestant in a Catholic city. And I understood what discrimination was. Even though I was a Howley, you know, a Caucasian in those days, and everybody around me was, there was differentiations made. If you were the wrong religion, boy, people found out about it. They found out about it because of your name. My name was Abercrombie. That's a Scottish name. And all the names around me were like Ozinski and Bon Giovanni, uh, you know, Polish and Irish and Italian. Abercrombie didn't fit in. And so right away they would be able to tag you, oh, you're not a Roman Catholic. Now, to a lot of people in Hawaii, so what? It doesn't make any difference. But in the city I grew up in, in the east coast of the United States, it made a big difference. So right away, even as a little child, I understood that there were differences with people. And when I was a little kid, my parents would drive through neighborhoods, and sometimes there'd be all black people. And uh, I would wonder, why were all those people in one place, but they weren't near where I lived? And, of course, as I got a little older, I figured, well, they were made to stay. You know, we segregated. We had segregated society. So I had all these things in my mind as I was growing up about discrimination. And so over and over again, it would come down to politics. You had to have the votes. You had They made decisions. So one of the things I learned about that, about speaking about entertaining then and that, say all those serious things, how could it be entertaining? One of the things I learned from great actors and great entertainers, you take like Don Ho, everybody always asks to sing Tiny Bubbles, right? Or uh, Ii Lavi with, with Gabby Pa'anui, right? They'd always be asked to sing. And they'd always do it with great enthusiasm. They'd always do it with a, a lot of verve, with a lot of vitality. And that's because in politics, you have to be as enthusiastic and as interested in reaching out to the person you're talking to 
and you're being with, and you're trying to influence the 865th time as you were the first time, just like with your show. You, you sent me a, a list uh, of 40, 50, 60 people already that you've interviewed. You have to be just as interested in me. This is the first time for my interview, right? As you were with the, the first two, three, or four, whatever it was, if you're going to succeed. All great entertainers, all great actors, all great politicians are able to, to have the replication of emotion. You have to be able to repeat your emotion. You have to be as enthusiastic that 957th time as you were the first time. And if you can do that, like Sammy Davis Jr., I remember when he came out for their Variety Club and did a show at the Hilton, uh, a New Year's Eve show. He came to a luncheon for benefit of a Variety Club uh, community projects, just like you're talking about here, community support, social vision. Now, how many thousand times do you suppose Sammy Davis Jr. did some kind of a luncheon or some kind of a benefit performance? And yet when he came to that luncheon, you'd have thought that was the first time he'd ever been invited anywhere. You'd have thought that he couldn't have been more grateful for the opportunity to come and spend some time with total strangers out in Honolulu after doing a couple of really tough shows. And I thought, what a professional. What a great guy. And so it's the same thing. I feel that uh, I have to be just as enthusiastic in making my presentation today because I'll be reaching out to a group of people who maybe have never heard me before, never heard me speak personally before. And this program gives me the opportunity. And so... I think it's very, very important that if you're in business, you have to have that repetition of emotion. How often have you seen, particularly in a small business, what we call a small business these days, and what we really mean is personal business, where if you succeed or fail, it's up to you more than anything else and the staff that you have with you. If you don't have the enthusiasm, if you don't have the commitment, if you aren't willing to put out each time as if it was the first time, how do you expect anybody working for you to do it? Now, that might sound like a cliche, but it's true. It's something that you have to do, and if you don't do it, you can probably find every day in business where somebody answers on the phone and you can hardly hear what they're saying. They're obviously not interested. They could care less. So I feel very, very strongly that what you have here about reaching out to the community, having a vision, being entertaining, trying to be inspirational, educate those people, all of that fits in, and you have to do it every day, not because it's a burden or a duty, because you want to do it. You want to succeed. If your message is good, if you believe in what you're doing, if you're in a, a business and when you're reaching out to people, or like you're doing with your radio show here, of trying to inspire other people and to motivate them, then you've got to believe in it or it's not going to work. And I say the same thing with all politicians. Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for more on Greater Good Radio. After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. Audi sell his company to Akamai Technologies for $3 billion. Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who donates 6% of sales to make more money? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. How do you get 100 stores and 100 million in sales in less than 10 years? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who raised $50,000 in a few weeks for the tsunami relief? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. And all while benefiting the community. Greatergoodradio.com. 
You're listening to Greater Good Radio Hawaii. Please visit us online at greatergoodradio.com. Today's guest is U.S. Congressman Neil Abercrombie. Mr. Abercrombie has been given numerous awards within his lifetime, including Favorite University of Hawaii Professor, Most Popular Legislator of the Year Award, and the Japanese American Citizens League President's Award, to name a few. So can you continue telling us, um, Congressman, about the enthusiasm when you meet with these people over and over, and yet still have the enthusiasm to continue to give back to our community? Well, first of all, I got to lobby with you guys because if you're supposed to be fiercely loyal, you know, I got a Shetland sheepdog that I think is just as good as the one that's on the commercials, you know. <laughs> In fact, there's a there's a probably a, a good way to answer your question there about when you meet with people. Just this last week, uh, at least from the time we're doing this interview, uh, I went up to Manoa to, Manoa, to uh, Noalani School uh, because they were having a legislative uh, meeting that day. So I went up there as a constituent and I brought my dog my Shetland Sheepdog that I was talking about, because we want to get a dog park up there at, at Manoa. And, of course, in the end, I ended up coming up in the front because I got invited up because so many questions came up that involved the uh, federal side of some of the issues that were involved in the city and, and the state. But the reason I went there was to advocate for that, to advocate for the, the dog park and, um, and to work on graffiti issues because I've been a city councilman in the past also, and uh, I think that that destroys a sense of a neighborhood. So even at the most basic level, the most basic constituent level, the things that uh, affect you in your home and, and in your immediate community, uh, your sense of, of the continuity in the community, the beauty in the community, uh, where you don't want to be assaulted by graffiti and, and that kind of thing, you have to be involved in that, just like the big issues about war and peace that I deal with every day on the Armed Services Committee that I serve on or on the Resources Committee where we deal with national parks and oceans and royalties from uh, uh, mineral exploration, those kinds of things. So the way I keep it up is is that the in- things that I have interest in and the things that I understand affect me as an individual in the community – um, I feel obligated to try and translate that into into my both my civic duty uh, as a taxpayer and a member of the community and in my professional capacity, if you will, because the faith and trust of people has been placed in me as a representative. So where are you from? How did you get to Hawaii? Oh, uh, that, that was my lucky day. Um, I was born originally, uh, of course you were born originally, right? I just thought about what I was saying. I was born originally as opposed to, as, a, as opposed to unoriginally. Um, uh, I was born in Buffalo, New York, uh, and went to sc- school in New York State until uh, my senior year in college when I saw a little uh, poster on the wall in the middle of the dead of winter, cold and dark and freezing, and uh, and there was a little yellow poster with a green palm tree on it said University of Hawaii scholarships right for graduate school so I applied and I was lucky enough to get one in sociology so with statehood in 1959 I came to Hawaii and of course I never left I realized I was in paradise in about ten minutes so what was your path into politics were you working as a social worker no no uh, in graduate school at the UH and as I indicated earlier in the program. I was very much interested in civil rights activity then. Uh, one needs to recall in the last century that in 1960, 1959 and 60, the civil rights movement was, was very moving real big. 
and there was the beginning of calls for redress for the internment of uh, Japanese Americans who had been in, in, in held, held in detention camps. In fact, again, on this day that we're doing our interview, we just uh, uh, there has just been a commemoration of the of the folks who were held against their will at Hanauliuli. That has disappeared, literally disappeared. You can't even find where where those folks were were kept. But it's a real historical fact, and so I was very sensitive to the fact that uh, Japanese Americans had been held in detention camps, and that was a civil rights issue, uh, and of course voting for uh, uh, minorities, particularly black people uh, in the United States, was an issue uh, to the point that, you know, dogs were attacking people and civil rights demonstrators were being beaten and put in jail. We don't even think about that. I shouldn't say we don't think about it, but Martin Luther King uh, had no holiday in those days. Martin Luther King was being denounced in those days. And uh, there was the Freedom Riders and all that. So uh, at the UH, I became very much involved in uh, in the Speakers Bureau to bring uh, bring people uh, to the the campus who could speak on these issues, and I and I became involved in it that way at the UH, and then of course got involved in in community activity in addition. Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for more on Greater Good Radio. After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. Is the greatest part of your workday the leftover lasagna you packed for lunch? Is it quickly becoming apparent that you and everyone you know are smarter than your boss? Just how satisfying is it to wear an untucked shirt on Fridays? It's time you stopped filling a position and started being fulfilled with a job that excites you every day, not just payday. And now is the perfect time to demand more of the work week. The Honolulu Star Bulletin and Midweek work with monsters so you can live up to your potential right here. Your calling is calling. Find it at starclassifieds.monster.com. We're back with U.S. Congressman Neil Abercrombie. So, Congressman, you were telling us about your college days. Did you have an experience or something that you saw that made you want to make a difference in the community, get involved with the segregation and civil rights during these times? Well, what transpired out of that time of becoming not only aware of civil rights violations, but of what had happened in Hawaii is I became very much aware of the Hawaiians themselves who were, in a sense, displaced in their own land. And I became very concerned and I wanted to ally myself as a Hawley who had come in from the mainland with those folks who were trying for social and economic justice here in Hawaii, too. And that brought me to the Democratic Party at that time. Uh, I felt very, very strongly that, uh, uh, don't forget, this was the time of statehood. I'm, I'm going back now. For many of your listeners, this is not just when I say the last century. It literally was the last century, but it seems like not hundreds of years ago, but within the lifetime of your parents, Hawaii became a state. And uh, and so the elections first got held uh, around 1960, and that's when the Democratic Party uh, went transferred from the, the territorial days into statehood times. And uh, that's when uh, I was able to start working in the Democratic Party for those candidates that I thought would be helpful. 
So you just and advancing the advancing. Oh yeah, volunteer. I was a college student. I, in fact, I remember I was uh, one of the one of the college students uh, uh, in, in in the leadership, uh, trying to get uh, Governor Burns elected for the first time. And I worked in the campaign for for Vinciano, who just recently passed away. Senator Vinciano, who was instrumental uh, as a Roman Catholic himself in getting the uh, the abortion bill through under uh, uh, Governor Burns's uh, 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 first term. And uh, uh, I helped get uh, him elected and, and, and was a student volunteer in that, in that operation in that time. So that, that's why, as I said, I became aware that there are lots of social issues here from the Hawaiians, from, from everybody, and trying to meld our, our diversity in Hawaii into a political structure that would give an opportunity to everybody. It, you see, a lot of your listeners, Evan, right now, Hey, you want to go into business? Come on, let's do it. Let's. But in those days, let me tell you, it was not easy for someone uh, whose last name was Leong. I'll tell you that right now. Not so easy to jump into business and get somebody to back them up and all the rest of it because you maybe didn't have the right background. You didn't have the right foundation. So what is it that drove you to go into politics? I mean, what were you looking to accomplish? Because all of those things, it seemed to me, were dealt with in the political arena. Uh, the kinds of rules and regulations that got passed, the kinds of, of laws about discrimination in lending, uh, who could get into school, what was going to be the tuition cost, was it gonna, were you going to be driven out of the opportunity to be able to get a first-class education in Hawaii. All of those things came back to politics and uh, the opportunity to make sure that, that you were going to be treated fairly and, and in a non-discriminatory way always came back to politics. And so if you believed in a multicultural, uh, multiracial, multiethnic society, then politics was the way to ensure that that would happen. But when you're involved in politics, you're also leaving it up to the community to vote for you, to be their voice. Mm-hmm. What is the feeling when you know, you're in a race and you lose, but how can you still get involved and be a voice for the community? Well, I, I can give you an example because I first ran for office in 1970 when I was a graduate student. I ran for the U.S. Senate. And, of course, I lost. I lost the primary. But that's when I did my super senator. If you ever saw my posters, some of those things are around there kind of – I said on eBay they're worth $1.98 now, I think. <laughs> uh, but uh, that's when I said uh, to, to high school students, for example, I said, ask your parents to give me a vote. I can speak for you. Because in those days, don't forget, there was a draft. Now, they, Carrie, they were not drafting girls. But they were drafting uh, boys, and I say boys because they were barely 18 coming out of high school, and you were eligible for the draft. Now, again, a lot of the listeners to the program right now, oh, what, are you, what are you talking about, the draft? There's no draft. I don't even know what you mean. The military is voluntary. It wasn't voluntary in those days. They drafted young men coming right out of high school. And so I ran as a graduate student for the U.S. Senate uh, in, uh, in 1970, and I didn't have a chance to win. But... What I tried to do is be a voice for people. I said I was the only serious candidate because I was talking about serious issues uh, uh, and, and not just talking about them but saying they had to be addressed. And they had to be particularly addressed for young people who felt shut out of the whole process, but they were paying the price in blood just as they are today uh, in Iraq and elsewhere. Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for more on Greater Good Radio. After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, 
and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. For bubble tea supplies in your home, at a party or business, contact Bubble Tea Supply at 948-2622 or online at bubbletea.com. How do you sell his company to Akamai Technologies for $3 billion? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who donates 6% of sales to make more money? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. How do you get 100 stores and 100 million in sales in less than 10 years? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who raised $50,000 in a few weeks for the tsunami relief? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. And all while benefiting the community. Greatergoodradio.com. You're listening to Greater Good Radio Hawaii. Please visit us online at greatergoodradio.com. Today's guest is U.S. Congressman Neil Abercrombie. Although he has a busy schedule, he's still involved in the community, serving on the boards of the Nu'uanu YMCA, the Hawaii Special Olympics, the Epilepsy Foundation of America, Friends of Father Damien, Variety Club 1050, the Life Foundation for AIDS Foundation of Hawaii, and Amnesty International. So that's a super long list she just read there. How are it's you? kind of like a partial list, actually. Yeah. I mean, how are you organizing your time with this? What's your average day like? When do you spend um, time community service? When do you spend time public service? I have no life. <laughs> I'm not on the board. One of the ways to do it is I'm not on the boards uh, of a lot of those organizations anymore because uh, in my position at Congress, I don't want anybody to think that I have a conflict of interest. Like if I'm trying to raise money for the YMCA, people might say, oh, well, if I don't give money to the YMCA, then then maybe he won't help me with my project or something like that. Now, I don't think anybody actually believes that, but part of the difficulty with this is uh, public life these days is, is what's called the appearance of conflict. And, of course, I advocate for people all the time. One of the ways you deal with that is you be quite open about it. I mean, I'm a big supporter of the YMCA. I'm a big supporter, and I've helped get uh, f- uh, federal dollars for the YMCA. Uh, but I don't serve on the boards formally anymore so that nobody can accuse me of saying, well, you got it because you're a member of the board. No, I got it for them because I know what the YMCA does, and um, I'm happy to try and help. And I try to help the Epilepsy Society because I, I suffered from epilepsy myself as an adult and uh, and all kinds of things like that. I do that. I have I work the Congressional Arts Caucus right now. Uh, where we uh, encourage young people to present their art and their art teachers. And thanks to the hotels and, and the airlines, we're able to take the winners and their teachers up to Washington for and, and put their, their, their winning project um, on the walls of the, of, uh, of the Capitol and uh, that kind of thing. So um, I'm, I, it gives me, oh, I guess a sense of purpose. I think before we started the program, I was saying that uh, I would get come to a meeting and I'd see something that really needed to be done, like uh, helping to get a capital campaign under for the YMCA because maybe an area is underserved, like out in, in Leeward, Oahu, or Waianae. And, and I thought to myself, but if I don't do it, who's going to do it? I'd look around the room sometimes and not everybody was raising their hand. So it was, it's always been very difficult for me, maybe because of the way I was raised. My, my mom and dad 
their view always was is that you shouldn't want somebody else to do something that you know you should be doing yourself. And uh, so if I got enthusiastic about something, I, I tended to jump in and then try to put my paddle in the in the water and pull deep with everybody else. Are you able to share a, sh- a story about an experience that you've had? I know you had mentioned you know some results that you had gotten mm-hmm. with your involvement with these organizations, but mm-hmm. maybe a short story of how it really helped or changed someone's life or many people's lives just from you getting involved. Oh, I don't know if I could say anything that was associated just with me uh, being involved, but being able to join with other people to accomplish uh, something. I think maybe one of the things I could talk about is uh, what we did, the Friends of Father Damien that you mentioned there. That that was a good example of something that came into existence, into existence for a specific purpose, and then when it was finished, it, it disbanded, and you could go to other things. What Fr- Friends of Father Damien did... Uh, was to uh, work to raise money and to get uh, the uh, ability to to refurbish and uh, and preserve Father Damien's church, St. Philomena, over at Kalapapa. Now, not many people are ever going to see it. Not many people are ever necessarily going to to even desire to go over to Kalapapa, but many people understood what Father Damien stood for what Father Damien meant, particularly to Hansen's disease patients that are still with us today, what are called the last remnants, you know, you call human, being, human beings remnants uh, of, of, the, of the population, that, or the Hansen's disease population that, uh, that uh, was discriminated against right up into our time, in the time when you, when you guys were born. Um, this is, again, something that is in, you know, 1800s or something like that with, with Father Damien, but right up in into the uh, middle of the 20th, 20th century, discrimination was there, misunderstanding, fear, anxiety about, about leprosy uh, and, and, and about Hansen's disease patients. And so we restored that church. We got raised the money for it. We helped get it done, the patients. We worked with the patients. To us, it was very, very important that the symbol of Father Damien uh, be respected and that we, we, in the restoration of that church, it's not that a lot of people will ever go to the church. Uh, it's not that it's a, a great uh, architectural monument. Uh, it's not that it'll have uh, enormous historical importance uh, as as architecture or uh, or as a church building, but it had enormous meaning in terms of what Father Damien did in, in for human beings and what it meant to us, what he meant to us in terms of of giving a living lesson to us about reaching out to other human beings. So we, I was very happy to be a part of that Friends of Father Damien group. So in the last minute of this show, what words of advice would you give those that are maybe thinking about a life of public service? Well, Why should they do it? I don't know if I can ever give you uh, advice, but I can tell you some of the lessons I've learned. One of the lessons is, is there's only one thing worse in life and politics than being wrong, and that's being right. People will forgive you for being wrong. They very seldom forgive you for being right. It generally means you were out ahead on something and maybe saying things and doing things that were not so popular. But you could see what needed to be done and you were willing to stand up for it. And the last, the other thing I think that I would say about it is, is don't do anything for gratitude's sake. Do it for its own sake. If you cannot get satisfaction, like this program and like the, the, the motivation that you have for this, if you're in business, if... If you're trying to succeed at something, if you can't do it for its own sake, if you're looking for accolades, if you're looking for admiration, if you're looking for gratitude, 
get a dog. You know, that, that dog will love you without reservation. You've got to do things for yourself because you get the satisfaction from the, the doing it. And if other people approve of it, if they think it's terrific, oh, that's a bonus. That's great. So never expect gratitude. That's the first rule. The second rule is never forget the first rule. And if you can do those things, then you're going to be a happy person. Thanks for joining us today on Greater Good Radio. For more information or a transcript of today's show, please visit us online at greatergoodradio.com. This is your host, Evan Leong and Carrie Leong, saying please join us next time for another episode of Greater Good Radio, Hawaii.